Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the Contender Cast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're in the media space. And you're going to love the story about Good Grit Magazine. And on the podcast today is the CEO and founder, Laura Quick. Laura, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I'm so pumped. I mean, like literally. I mean, we just had like an amazing conversation before we hit record. But okay, let's let's dive in. So you're in the corporate world. For people that don't, don't know you, you you're in sales and marketing. You're moving around Savannah, Georgia, Lagrange, Georgia, now at Alabama, and you're just doing your career thing. And you decide, you know what? I'm going to quit that, and I'm going to go start this magazine and become an entrepreneur. So. How does that happen? And then how did you decide to jump into the space? Yeah, well, um, the prerequisite for starting a magazine is to be clinically insane. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. I like your content here. I love this content, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're starting like a magazine, it. right? Yeah, but you're starting a magazine. And so the thing is, is you hear from everyone in your life. It's like, what are you doing? Right. What are you literally doing with your life right now? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I should back up just a little bit. So when I left corporate world, um, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I did not know what I want to do. And so if you have if you have been in sales and marketing for 10 years, sure. then what you do is you know everything. So you become a consultant. Oh, and so I was got a it. consultant yep. because, you know, obviously I knew everything because <laughs> everything. I'm super smart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I learned very quickly is that I'm a salesperson. Right. Um, and so I would be in meetings with people and they would be like, hey, do you guys do SEO? Right. And I, I would say things like, of, of course, course we do. We do. Uh, yeah. And then you'd go back and, and solve then, it later. No, I would literally just Google what is SEO. Oh my gosh. Like, you, were like a, you were the perfect 14. consultant. You were the yeah, perfect consultant. Yeah, it was consultant. amazing. And then I would find someone who did SEO and then we would all of a sudden be doing SEO. So, but I did that for about a year. And, um, and that is how I came up with the idea of Good Grit. Really, I was just kind of burnt out on being the girl that had to be the deliverer of bad news because most of the time when you're consulting, you know, it sounds fancy and you're getting paid like a high hourly rate to basically come in and do the thing that the owner of the company doesn't want to do. Um, and, and that was fruitful. It taught me a lot, but it mostly taught me that I'm a culture person. And so I really, you know, before I even had one employee, I built out my core values. Right. Oh, very smart. And I knew that those were the things I was going to be hiring and firing by for a business. And and, um, one day I would have employees and that would be really important. And I worked for a company just before I left the corporate world. Um, Our company had hired this really fancy consultant to come in and help us revamp our own core values. Um, And so I left with that knowledge and wanted to plan it in my own business. And so fast forward, I've been doing the consulting thing for about eight or nine months. Um, I'm... You know, I'm doing okay, but I'm just not really happy. And uh, I was reading the an article in the New York Times. This was 2014. I don't remember what issue it was. Uh, I actually have it somewhere. But they were talking about the food movement in the South, specifically the food movement in the South. And I read an article, and to be honest, it just pissed me off so much. And 
And it didn't piss me off because it was bad. It pissed me off because it was so good. Ah, interesting. And I, and I thought, hold on. Why are people in New York doing a better job telling our stories um, than we are? And so that prompted me to just kind of go on this like rabbit hole research of just like what's existing here in the South. And I knew about garden and gun. Yep. And I knew about Southern living. Of course. I'm from Savannah. So obviously garden and gun was our neighbor in Charleston. (laughs) Right. Um, I like to call Charleston like a really like well put together stepsister. (laughs) Um, And so we're like the down to earth sister. Like, we accept anybody when they come <laughs> hang out. And Charleston's a little more stuffy, like, you know. Right. She's she's not kissing on the first date. <laughs> I've never heard Charleston described that way, but that's good. Well, that's because I'm from Savannah. So right. That's how I describe it. I got um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I started doing some research and I called a friend who was in Savannah who owned a magazine. His magazine's called South Magazine. And I said, Hey Michael, I want to start a magazine. Um, in Birmingham and he's like man that's a great idea I've consulted for some magazines there and I'm like yeah but the trick is like I don't want to be in Birmingham like right. I want to be in Birmingham but I want to be regional sure. he was like he laughed like out loud <laughs> and he was like Laura that's really hard to make money that way and I was like I just think there's a hole and so if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this that that's what we do right entrepreneurs look for holes looking in the for gaps exactly we we're not looking we're not doing something we want we're trying to do something that we believe of a large group of people really want and can fill a need absolutely absolutely so i saw i saw this gap so here's what i was seeing i was seeing garden gun this super aspirational brand right sure maybe one day you'll have a $40,000 shotgun. I don't. Maybe one day you'll have a $30,000 Rolex. I don't. Right. Maybe one day you'll go to Atlanta and get your nails done on a private plane. I'm probably not doing that. But I loved it. And it was really well put together and super curated. And there is super down to earth, a super down to earth narrative kind of mixed into that. But their demographic was like aspirational to sure. most people I knew. Right. And then... And then there's Southern Living, which is like, hey, what kind of flour do I need to buy? Right. And, you know, also like what are some (laughs) recipes, some fun trips? And and it was, I thought of it as like a little bit older of a brand, you know? Yep, it is. So I thought, okay, so there's aspirational. There's this down to earth kind of everyday brand. What about inspiration? Where is that? Um, and so I saw a hole in the market and that's the hole I really wanted to fix. And, and it was really good timing because this is a time in my life that I was getting super hungry about being a lifelong learner and really wrapping my head around entering my thirties, understanding that in my twenties, I knew everything. And in your thirties, you make the discovery that you actually know nothing. Like that's like where you, what you step into, you're like, Oh, cool. So actually I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> and so um, why not start a magazine, right? <laughs> so you should start a magazine. So really the idea just kind of came to fruition based on this hole that I saw. Okay. And love it. That ev- everybody else was like, but no, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, no. In the research, what the research told me was 
this millennial generation, which I have kind of one foot into that and one foot into what they would refer to as the zennials at under 40 mark. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, I'm 30, I'll be, oh I'll be 36 in July. Nice. And kind of like so, in between. Yep. So I'm in between and I'm like, I'm knowing all these people. I'm doing life with a lot of these people. And I thought, okay, so the, the void here is that what, what people aren't understanding is old things are being made new again by this group of people who are asking the question why and coming out of the collapse of our, of our economy in 2008, um, 10, 11, people stopped spending $500 on a pair of jeans and they wanted to replace that $500 and spend it on an experience. Absolutely. They stopped living in the drywall departments and they wanted the exposed brick with terrible, you know, your electricity bill running $600 a month. We don't care (laughs) because we're getting this experience. Right. And I was one of those people. And so I thought there's, there's a hole here. And actually people want something tactile. They want to hold it. They want to touch it. And record sales were at an all time high, higher than they had ever been, even when they first came out. So I knew there was a trend happening where this, this old stuff was going to become new again. We were going to start wanting, we started walking away from digital cameras. People started using Polaroids again, right? <laughs> so true. like everybody else says you're crazy. I'm like, nah, I think I'm ahead. I think I'm just ahead. I love so, it. I love it. So now I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't think the same thing now, but, <laughs> but at the time, <laughs> at the time, Justin, right. that's what I was working with. So, all right. So Laura, you, you decide you're going to do it despite everyone saying, I don't understand and I'm confused. How did you go from that? Remember, you didn't come up through the, the ranks of a big magazine or newspaper. So how did you figure out step one, two, and three to, to launching a magazine? Yeah, this is where the insanity part comes in. I right? can't wait. <laughs> okay. So I remember I told you about my friend, South Magazine in yes. Savannah. Yep. So he's a, you know, semi-regional. He's running from like Charleston to Jacksonville, Florida. That's kind of his network of people. But primarily he's a Savannah Magazine. Got it. So I called him and he's like, what are you doing? Just join up with me. And I'm like, what if <laughs> instead I come help you kind of revamp your sales department and raise up some salespeople. And in return, this transaction will be you open up your P&L help me understand print relationships, circulation, distribution. How are you printing? Who are you printing with? So it was essentially, I became a 31-year-old intern. Ah, got it. So he was able to fast forward the process for you. That's awesome. He really did. And he was he's such a good friend. I love Michael Brooks. And he um, produces a great product that's you know in the city of Savannah and surrounding areas. But he allowed me to come in and, and just really learn from him. And because we were friends, it made it easier. He's very transparent with me about a lot of things. Um, and I, so I would run my company on Mondays and then I would leave my child who at the time was probably like eight or nine, 10, um, with like any random human who would watch him and make sure he get to school. Oh, nice. I'm just kidding. I'm right. joking. They're like decent nannies. <laughs> Delete that, that part. <laughs> That's Please hilarious. Please remove that from the, I'm just kidding. Um, but I would, you know, leave my child and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I would, so this lasted for three months. So I would do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, go work with Michael Brooks and, um, learn from him and then drive home. And on Fridays kind of shut down my business and, um, had a couple of clients that I was still consulting for. So life was really turbulent. I was doing, I was doing this main thing that was paying my bills and simultaneously trying to do this 
to build something that I thought would be my main thing, but right, I needed right. the support. It's like your this. side hustle, right? I mean, you had the day job and your side hustle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, investing in the side hustle, like giving them equal time though. Right. Um, not possible. Burn you out. Yeah. Um, not for, not for very long. So I did that for three months and that allowed me to have enough knowledge of the industry to be just dangerous, but still naive enough to still believe I could do it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So you, you take the time to understand the business and then what was the first step towards like launching Good Grit? Like what were the first couple of key things to get that off the ground? Um, so the Starting with coming was, up with the name, right? <laughs> right. The name actually funny. Uh, no, built an entire business plan. Didn't have a name. Did not have a name until two weeks before we went to um, print, which is hilarious. Okay. Because I actually thought I was going to partner with Michael Brooks. Got and it. The South Magazine and take that more regionally. And that just didn't end up being his vision and our, my vision were just really different. So it wasn't That's okay. the best. Yeah. Um, but so I built a business plan during this time, the season of internship. And I had a girlfriend who became a really close friend that she, she was like, Hey, I, I was like, I got to raise money. Like that's the first step. you got to raise money. Right. If you're doing something that's this big of an undertaking, it's not like starting a consulting business where you're the only overhead. This is going to require some real infrastructure. Sure. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So I built this business plan and now I'm like, okay, now I'm in Birmingham and I know a handful of people, but I'm not networked like I've been in other places I've lived. So I have this friend who I'd hired for a company I'd consulted for and she is just killing it in sales. Mm, She's like, Hey, I know a guy. I think I know a guy. I know that, a guy. Yeah. He's, she's like, I know this guy. And I'm like, cool. Like, what does he do? She's like, I think he's kind of in this business. Maybe he'll let you pitch. And I was like, cool. Like, how do you know him? Cause that's important. Sure. She was like, I used to bartend for his Christmas party. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh, this, oh, is, this is going great. I was like, yeah, you know what though? Exactly. So if you're in sales, right. you just always take the meeting and you pitch your heart out. Anyway. Wow. I like that approach. Okay. So, I mean, if nothing else, it'd be great practice. What if he just told me no or go to hell or whatever? Yeah. It's okay. So Great practice. He he takes the meeting, but before that, he's like, bring me the business plan. So by this point, I'd already delivered three very expensive business plans to his house. And he asked me to bring another. This is like one of my favorite stories to tell. So I get to this meeting and it's in this place called the Garage Cafe in Birmingham. And if you've ever been there, then you know, it's like sketch and sketch in like a hole in the wall kind of place sketch. So this girl who was introducing me comes with me and there he is. He's probably at the time, like 70 years old. He's smoking cig a cigarette and he has a martini in his other hand. And I, I go sit down and I'm like, hi, I'm Laura. He was like, oh, and this is literally verbatim what he said to me. Laura, I'd like to stop this meeting by saying I do not invest in anything but myself, but I especially do not invest in magazines or restaurants. <laughs> well, sir, then I guess I'll go ahead and leave. <laughs> I was like, cool, this is going great. Right. Why am I here? And so I sat down and I learned that this gentleman by the name of Elton B. Stevens Jr., who just happens to be of the Ebsco family, which is very big <laughs> right. in the magazine industry, um, loved Garden and Gun. He said it was the magazine he ran to his mailbox for. Wow. 
And so I used that and I was like, man, I'm telling you, there's a hole in this marketplace. And I really believe we have an opportunity to play with these guys. Like I, we're not even trying to do what they want to do. We, but we want to be in this space. And so, so that was October of 2014 and December 16th of 2014, Elton B. Stevens Jr. wrote me my angel round of investment. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It is awesome. I've just recently, and one month ago, a month and a half ago, bought Elton out, but he was <laughs> an incredible, um, you know, key. He was, there couldn't have been a better starting partner because his name just opened a lot of doors that sure. probably wouldn't have opened. Um, and he was a believer. He's still a believer. Oh, nice. and we, yeah. So that was the, that was the first big hurdle that we needed to jump. And then after that, it was like, balls to the wall let's like get the first magazine out of the door which we did and our first magazine went to print in july of 2015 and we hit shelves and covered the whole state of alabama and the florida panhandle and our second issue someone on the whole foods board received our first issue in a mail out based on demographic and they ordered a thousand issues to go in a hundred whole wow. foods, our second issue. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad situation. It was a shot in the <laughs> arm that I always tell no people, like, how'd you do it? Like you were just working your butt. I was like, look, God was shining down and, on this. And that magazine ended up in that board member's mailbox. Wow. Wow. Uh, huge. That's amazing. Well, so during that time, so from lots of great meetings to putting the first issue in the mail what were two or three of the biggest challenges you had to, to face in like you know that process of going from the initial meeting with him to getting something out the door um i think the big thing that i underestimated was uh the crossroads of leadership and creativity uh -huh, okay um, unpack that for us yeah so i think that i recently was in a at, there was a keynote speaker at a conference i was speaking at or i don't think he was a keynote it doesn't matter he was a speaker and he <laughs> was a dizzy he works for disney and he was talking about um the top shelf of the leadership shelf speaking to the bottom shelf of the creativity shelf and the creatives top shelf always speaking to the bottom and it just like this light bulb went off in me and i'm like oh my god i know exactly what he's talking about because as a leader who was who's an entrepreneur had this like very firm vision who immediately hired like six creatives. Wow. I've been dealing yep. with salespeople. Absolutely. Well, creatives, a salesperson, you can be like, hey, get your crap together and get out there and make it happen. <laughs> the creative. Do you say that's a little bit different? They'll, no, they'll literally quit. They'll be like, you don't respect my work and right. I will murder you in your sleep tonight. So <laughs> good luck. Um, but I didn't know that. And so I really was trying to speak, motivate a creative team the same way that I'd been motivating a sales and marketing team. And it took me about till yesterday. I'm just kidding. Until <laughs> it, yesterday. A, it really did take me a solid two years to understand that these people speak differently and then they, they need space to create and they, they need parameters and boundaries. But really if you're going to hire a creative and they're going to be on your team, you really need to trust them. And know that they're going to be a good steward with the brand. That's why they signed on because creatives really are doing things because they believe in them. Sure, Traditionally, absolutely. not absolutely. just because they're getting a paycheck. Like that's not their jam. Um, so I think that like, and the, which is why they would agree to work to, with, with a magazine in the first place, because obviously 
it's a difficult and you're working on a limited budget. But um, that was probably, if I had to say that is the single biggest hurdle as far as inside. Now, there was a separate thing that was happening outside, which I always love talking to entrepreneurs about, which was the dichotomy of like, okay, I have this external life. People are meeting me. I'm driving a BMW. <laughs> um, I'm, I have this really... Perception. Uh, no, I have a billionaire as a business partner. Like right, literally right. is an entity. So like there's this perception of what I'm supposed to be. But sure. the, the real story was I was living in what we now famously refer to as the Harry Potter apartment where <laughs> my, my son, I had to send my son to boarding school, which was the hardest thing that a mom would ever do to her 12 year old. Oh, wow. um, it's like packing him up for college at 12. And yeah. And then I would only see him on weekends. His bed was literally in a closet, which is why we refer to it as a Harry Potter apartment. We would pull it out on weekends. And there, and then, you know, we're I'm one step away from living in my car at all times because I've burned all the ships. This is what I'm doing. I've given up everything that I've worked for up to this point to make this dream work. And so what tends to happen is you go into isolation. So you don't, and I moved to a new place. So I didn't have a ton. I didn't have a core group of friends who could hold me accountable to my core values, who could tell me who I was when I'd forgotten. And so there was this key moment when I was one week away from being completely out of money. And I'll never forget just sitting on the floor in my bedroom trying like I was about to blow dry my hair which by the way just to paint you a picture I had to <laughs> unplug the window unit in this apartment to plug in the blow dryer or else it would like blow the fuses oh, nice. in the house nice amazing but I was sitting on the floor I was crying about to blow dry my hair and praying being like god I don't know what I'm gonna do at this point I had eight employees some right. of them with families I'm not gonna make payroll I'd pitch to another investor who had said like, oh, we love the brand. We're really excited. But he hadn't gotten back to me. It kind of gone dark. And I called my sister. This is a Sunday. I called my sister, my sister who is a PhD in mathematics, a professor for Lee University. And she's like, I'm just crying. Like, oh, my eyes falling apart. What have I done? I want to uh, quit. I want to <laughs> quit. I want to quit. And she said. Which I think most entrepreneurs face at some point, if not multiple times. One, I mean, for sure, once a month. Right. I'm still thinking about it now. I'm just kidding. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give me a break, Laura. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. Not now. Thank you, God. I'm not in that season anymore. But I said, I said that to my sister. I called her. I gave her the like sob story. And my sister is literally like a Disney character with a PhD. She's like the most kind, gracious human you'll ever meet. She's amazing. Um, her name is Dee, and she said, "So you have two choices." And I was like, oh, good. What good are two they? choices. Give them to me. Good. What are they? And she said, the first choice is you can quit. And you need to know that you will still be a hero because you, you did it. You tried something and you did it. And it's awesome. It's done with excellence. And you've worked your butt off. And like, you need to know that I will, I will look at you and be in awe of exactly where you are now and nobody will be mad at you if you need to give up. She's like, or... Or option two. Option two is you get your shit together <laughs> and you get up off the floor <laughs> and you pick yourself up and you start thinking about solutions yeah. and don't feel sorry for yourself. Like you right. signed up for this and right. you have these people you have to take care of so you need to figure it out. And she's like, and the biggest part of number two is Laura. Greatness does not happen in isolation. It never does. 
And she was like, you've got to build a community of grit around you. You speak good grit. Now go build it. And you went, oh my gosh, that's the name of the magazine. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm going to write a speech about that one day and tell people. And so I did. But, <laughs> That's um, awesome. I but I that. did. And, what a great and literally, story. that was Sunday. On Monday, I get a text message from my now second investor, which is Jay Dobbs, um, that, that just said two words I'm in. Oh, uh, nice. What, are, what an I'm amazing in. timing on that, huh? Four days before I was like, wow. not making payroll, pretty wow. much going to have to sell everything else I have. Yeah. Crazy. All right. So good. that's amazing. Um, so I, I'm not going to let you go yet because I, I have a couple more things. I just think we've got to cover. So, I mean, you're at 23 issues, 300,000 readers, 42 states, 2,500 retailers. And we're a couple years in now. What have been the keys to growth? Like, what have been the couple things that have really helped you to accelerate and gain momentum? Uh, you know, I think the biggest one was patient investors that would allow us to really hone in on our craft. Um, and I know not everyone has that luxury, but I just want to give credit where credit's due. This is a really hard business and it does take quite some time to get profitable, um, especially if you're doing it in a really organic way, which we have. Um, and we've done it, you know, the hard way because not one person on my team had prior magazine experience. Not uh-huh, one. Interesting. Okay. Um, which was a double-edged sword. So the the great side of that sword is that right, fresh eyes, new thinking, innovative. Yeah. 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 And the other side is like, wow, there were probably some shortcuts we didn't get to take because we didn't know. Um, but I, I think that the growth has been being true to what we say we're going to do and. And turning over every rock to find, like, our new tagline that'll be coming out soon is damn good stories. You know, it used to be the character of the South, but now we're understanding is we have we have subscribers in 48 states. Yeah, it's no longer just character of the South. It's, it's broader. Yeah, it's not. It's Well, what I understand is, I had somebody ask me recently, like, well, is there a such thing as bad grit? Like, <laughs> right. That's actually a pretty good question. And I'm like. Yeah, there is. Everybody knows that person who stubs their toe and thinks the world's going to end and like everything that's ever happened to them is to to their detriment. And then there's good grit. And good grit is a human who has overcome some things but came out with a damn good story, right? They knew, hey, this is hard. This is bad. I have a face down in the arena moment, like Brene Brown would say, but I'm better. I'm better now. And so we realized that 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 has been where we have been going because we've literally been humans on that journey. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, like I, I re- as I was looking through your content and for those that haven't checked out goodgritmag.com, um, in travel, humanity, design, savor, legacy, culture. I mean, cool that you started in the South, but I wonder if this isn't more of a lifestyle play, you know, that it's, it, 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 you're really appealing to a broader audience. Yeah. And I think, you know, we say it's broad, but I just think that there's a, you know, a really unique, we're making, we're literally building right now, like Good Grit Readers Wanted ad that's going to run that we think will be like a fun, but like the idea that they're life speakers, they're a seeker of, you know, deeply, deeply desire to be better listeners. Um, they want the fancy hotel, but they're okay camping down by the river. Right. You know, <laughs> like they're really this, cool. like they're cultured. They're, yeah. 
they're good stewards of their minds and their bodies and their money, you know, like, Ah. so it's this, this group of humans, they love Jesus, but you know, they might cuss a fair amount. Like (laughs) it's just this, like, you know, and they don't all have to love Jesus, but like they, they're in search of humans (laughs) that believe there's just a bigger meaning. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So That's really, really cool. It's cool. It's very cool. All right. So, Laura, I mean, I can't imagine anybody listening to this not wanting to subscribe and link up with you and have you come speak at their events and all that. So, share with our audience how they can uh, subscribe, how they can get your magazine. I I know you offer digital and and paper, which is great. Um, how, How can that happen? How can people find you? Okay. So, the easiest way to find us is going to be goodgritmag.com. And for this for this podcast because I love Justin I am going to give a discount code Um, the discount code will be Laura just my name L-A-U-R-A and that'll get you $15 off of a year subscription I love that Um, or you can follow me I mean maybe you're not ready to commit you just want to learn more I'd love for you to follow me on my personal page I'm always posting about my journey try to be as real and authentic as I possibly can because that's the kind of people I want to do life with (laughs) totally Um, and that's Laura L quick you can find me on instagram and then um and then our instagram and facebook you can find us there and that'll just give you more insight uh to what we believe and maybe you maybe you want to link up with us totally lord this is such a cool story and uh, we, we definitely definitely got to stay in touch i'd like to have you back on talk about content talk about how you decide what stories you know how do you curate stories to your message and kind of your overall brand so we have to cover that on the next one how's that sound Oh yeah, I'd love to give any love. entrepreneurs who listen, any <laughs> entrepreneurs who want to get their brand out there. I'm going to give them just a 101, even that they if they have a PR firm, but specifically <laughs> how to get publications to say yes to you. There really is an art to it. Really? Oh my god! Yes. Total setup for part two. All right, we're Sorry, calling this part, part one. You, you got to come back on. That is awesome. <laughs> I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I love hearing your story. And I love that you're pouring what you know and the relationships that you've cultivated into others. Like, this is so meaningful. I know that when I was in my period of isolation, this is how I was digesting and feeling like I was in a community and I wasn't alone. So um, I think that's awesome. I am so thankful you came on the podcast. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.